Hello, this is Nigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 31st of August. India recorded over 78,000 new cases of COVID-19 again today, pushing the country's tally to over 36 lakh cases. The death toll has risen by over 900 to reach more than 64,000. Today marks the 24th day in a row that the country has been recording the highest number of new infections daily in the world. However, the Union Ministry released the new Unlock 4.0 guidelines yesterday with new relaxations. In a heartbreaking report from Meghalaya, around 61 pregnant women and 877 newborns have lost their lives since April. The director of health services Amanwar said that newborn deaths occurred due to lack of medical attention, pneumonia and birth asphyxia. He said and I quote, "It is a matter of concern that the infant and maternal mortality rate has risen sharply as the entire state's health machinery is diverted to fight the COVID-19 pandemic." Unquote. Most of these women were not admitted to hospitals or healthcare centers for institutional deliveries. According to the recent data released by the National Health Mission, there has been a 64% drop in child immunization, a 50% drop in BCG vaccinations, and a 39% drop in oral polio drops since the pandemic hit the country. Andhra Pradesh registered over 10,000 new COVID-19 cases for the fifth consecutive day today. On Sunday, it surpassed Tamil Nadu, becoming the second worst affected state in the country. Meanwhile a complete lockdown has been enforced across West Bengal today all government and private establishments including banks shops and marketplaces will remain closed While Delhi has been reporting a surge in cases for the past few days the health minister of the state Satyendra Jain said today that the doubling rate in the national capital is 85 days so it is at a quote unquote comfort level The former president of India Pranab Mukherjee's son Abhijit Mukherjee announced on Twitter early this evening that his father had succumbed to his illness. His condition had reportedly worsened and he had gone into a septic shock. The former president had been undergoing treatment at Army Hospital in New Delhi since August 10th. He was treated for a clot in the brain and a lung and kidney infection and he had also tested positive for COVID-19 at the time of his hospitalization. This morning Union Home Minister Amit Shah on the other hand was discharged from Ames in Delhi where he had been admitted for COVID-19 treatment. The senior leader was initially admitted to Medanta Hospital in Gurgaon and then moved to Ames. The World Bank and the Asian Development Bank have promised a loan of 6.5 billion dollars that is around 48000 crore rupees to India to fight the coronavirus. A huge chunk of this loan will be disbursed this year while the rest of it will come in 2021 to 2022. The loan is more than 5 times the amount that the government had estimated from these agencies in the union budget. The following report contains details of violence so please consider this a trigger warning. A distressing incident from Tripura has been reported today according to which seven teenagers allegedly raped an 8-year-old girl in a village in West Tripura district after inviting her to play with them. The event took place on Friday and came to light after the class 3 student told her parents about it. Out of the seven accused boys who were known to the girl, six were arrested after the complaint was lodged on Saturday and one is absconding. Four of the arrested have been sent to a juvenile home and two have been hospitalized after testing positive for COVID-19. In yet another case of what seems to be police brutality against Dalits, a 19-year-old Dalit boy who was illegally detained at a police station in Uttar Pradesh's Raibareli district died in custody. 
The boy, identified as Monu, also known as Mohit, was detained on Friday in the district's Lal Ganj area over suspicion of links to a gang allegedly behind motorcycle thefts. Raibareli's police said that the boy had complained of stomach pain on Saturday evening and was taken to a doctor and given medicines. He fell ill on Sunday morning and was admitted to the district hospital where he displayed symptoms of pneumonia and depleting oxygen levels. He died on Sunday around 11am. The police claimed that he had no physical injuries. However, his family has alleged that he was tortured and led a protest outside the police station that was later dispersed by police using force. The boy and four others were illegally detained for more than 24 hours. The deceased boy's brother, Sonu, also claimed that he was taken into police custody, adding that the boy, or his brother, was badly beaten up in the police station. Sonu, however, was later released. The district administration has ordered a magisterial investigation into the case and the police chief of the district has also instructed officials to carry out a departmental inquiry. Listeners, I highly recommend that you watch the latest episode of News Laundry Interviews where Abhinandan spoke to Dr. Suraj Yangre, a noted scholar of caste issues at Harvard University, who is also the author of the bestseller book called Caste Matters. Here is a snippet from their conversation. We sent that man, the father of this boy, into the manhole to clean our shit. We can't even hold our shit in our hands. I challenge all of India to shit in their on their own hands and hold it for 10 seconds. We want an entire human being to bath in our excreta. How dehuman we are. I don't see anywhere in the world such cruelty imposed on others. That means Dalits are lower than our shit. They don't even desire the recognition because the shit is flushed and gone away from our eyes. Dalits are not. We are asking them to constantly be beneath the dignity of our excreta. So they go. You can watch a short edited version of this interview on our YouTube channel. But if you do want to watch the complete unedited version of this interview, please subscribe to News Laundry. The Supreme Court has fined senior advocate Prashant Bhushan 1 rupees in the contempt of court case for his tweets on the judiciary for which he was convicted. The bench of Justices Arun Mishra, B.R. Gavai and Krishna Murari said that the lawyer may be imprisoned for three months and debarred from practicing for three years if he defaults on the payment of the penalty. In June, the lawyer had made some controversial tweets. While in one tweet, he had questioned the role of the Supreme Court and the last four Chief Justices of India, in another tweet, the lawyer had chastised the current Chief Justice of India, S.A. Bobde, for a picture where he could be seen astride a high-end motorbike without a mask during the outbreak. The court had sought an unconditional apology from the lawyer multiple times, insisting that the freedom of speech was not absolute. However, Bhushan had maintained that retracting his statement or offering an insincere apology would amount to contempt of his conscience. After the judgment was pronounced, the lawyer in a press conference said, and I quote, This case has become a watershed moment for the case of freedom of speech. Long live democracy, Satyamev Jayate. Unquote. Billionaire Gautam Adani's Adani Group announced today that it will acquire GVK Group's stake in the Mumbai International Airport, making it the country's largest private airport operator. After the purchase of a 50.5% stake from GVK Group and 23.5% stake from minority partners, the company will have 74% stake in Mumbai's Chhatrapati Shivaji Maharaj International Airport. 
GVK Reddy, the founder and the chairman of the GVK Group, said, and I quote, The aviation industry has been severely impacted by COVID-19, setting it back by many years and has impacted the financials of the Mumbai International Airport Limited. It was therefore important that we bring in a financially strong investor in the shortest possible time to improve the financial position of the airport as well as to help achieve financial closure of the Navi Mumbai International Airport project, which is a project of national importance. The Adani Group already has six airports under its belt, having won bids to run six airport authority-built non-metro airports in Lucknow, Jaipur, Gohati, Ahmedabad, Tiruvananthapuram and Mangalore. Also, it might be important to note that earlier this month, the Central Bureau of Investigation or CBI had charged the GVK Group with siphoning off funds worth 705 crore rupees. It was charged with causing a loss of 310 crore rupees to the exchequer by entering into fake contracts on the land given by the government for the Mumbai airport. The Adani Group too is no stranger to such charges. According to a report by The Guardian, in August 2017, the group had allegedly siphoned off funds up to 1,500 crore rupees through shell enterprises controlled by the chairman and founder Gautam Adani's elder brother Vinod Adani. Even these were not new allegations. In January 2014, the Economic Times had run a story reporting that the Directorate of Revenue Intelligence, or DRI, had formally opened a case for alleged overvaluation of capital equipment for power projects. The Economic Times had spoken to multiple sources and claimed that more than 2,000 crore rupees had been siphoned off. For more details on this, do read the article titled Adani, the man no one wants to write against by Shruti Menon on newslaundry.com. If you want to know more about the Adanis, you can also read Anumeha Yadav's report from last year titled Adani vs. Villagers, the fight for land rights and water resources in Jharkhand. The report details how the Adani Group's power plant, which was set up after forcefully snatching land away from local farmers, is now making the lives of thousands of villagers in the area miserable due to an acute water crisis. Dear listeners, News Laundry can bring you stories like this that legacy media often ignores solely because we are independent, meaning we do not take any ads be it from big companies or the government itself. Because when the advertiser pays, the advertiser is served. But when the public pays, the public is served. But bringing you these stories not just requires courage and effort, but also resources. And since we do not take any ads, we count on folks like you to support us through subscriptions. So go to our website and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. I promise you'll get access to not just great stories, but also a bunch of great interviews, podcasts and even comics. The Indian government said today that Chinese troops carried out provocative military movements to change the status quo near Pangong So Lake on Saturday night, but were blocked by Indian soldiers. The incident occurred on the south bank of the lake. The statement read, and I quote, On the night of 29th and 30th August 2020, the People's Liberation Army troops violated the previous consensus arrived at during military and diplomatic engagements during the ongoing standoff in eastern Ladakh and carried out provocative military movements to change the status quo. Indian troops preempted this PLA activity on the southern bank of Pangongso Lake, undertook measures to strengthen our position and thwart Chinese intentions to unilaterally change facts on the ground. Unquote. According to the government, a brigade commander-level meeting is currently ongoing at Chushul to defuse the tension. Meanwhile, the Ladakh-Srinagar Highway has been closed off for civilian traffic for troop movement and Indian forces remain in large numbers at the latest site of escalation, ready to respond. 
NDTV reported that some Chinese forces too are still in the area. The government statement also said that the army was committed to maintaining peace and tranquility through dialogue but equally determined to protect its territorial integrity. And now for some international updates. The number of COVID-19 cases globally has gone past 25 million with deaths exceeding 844,000. However, more than 16.5 million people have recovered. In the Middle East, Iran has been badly affected by the virus and the death toll there is cited to be more than double of the official total of more than 20,000. Iraq has also seen a spike in the number of cases. In South America, Brazil has recorded the highest number of deaths at 120,000 so far and has the second highest number of cases in the world. Other countries in this region like Argentina, Mexico and Peru are also reporting a rising number of cases daily. In Asia, the Philippines recorded more than 3000 COVID-19 infections and 38 deaths today, taking its total case load to over 220,000 and the fatalities to over 3000. Indonesia too has recorded more than 7000 deaths so far, making it the highest in Southeast Asia. Africa has recorded a million cases so far, although the exact number is unknown due to low testing. South Africa and Egypt have also recorded the largest number of cases in the region. The US has recorded over 6 million cases so far with a death toll of 180,000 making it the highest in the world. Europe has seen a resurgence in the number of cases with France, Germany and Spain recording the highest number of daily cases since the beginning of the pandemic. In a factory in Japan's Toyota city, robots have started working as quality control inspectors in response to the pandemic. While manufacturers have often used robots in production, the work of spotting mistakes and checking for quality has often been left to humans. However, social distancing measures to prevent the spread of COVID-19 has prompted the increased use of robots and other technology for quality control, including remote monitoring. Senior officials from the US and Israel flew to the United Arab Emirates to put in place a pact strengthening the relationship between the Gulf power and Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, described the pact by tweeting, and I quote, "That's what peace for peace looks like." Unquote. The normalization deal is the first successful attempt at a compromise between an Arab country and Israel in more than 20 years, and was brought on by shared fears of Iran. The delegates flying to establish the deal will have made aviation history by taking an Israeli commercial airplane from Tel Aviv to the UAE capital over Saudi territory. Jared Kushner, the White House adviser and the son-in-law of U.S. President Donald Trump, said, and I quote, "I prayed yesterday at the wall that Muslims and Arabs throughout the world will be watching this flight, recognizing that we are all children of God and that the future does not have to be predetermined by the past." Unquote. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please.